Welcome to the Security Lab Podcast. We spoke to Keith Rosario previously on Sayakana Hack and the Macau scam. This is the final part of the interview. So you you sound as though you're onto something with a with um because I I actually saw the YouTube video of you when you gave a talk uh, at a Hack in the Box conference in 2018. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand from that video is that you are you haven't stopped. wanting to build a bridge notification service maybe you yep. have already maybe you have already i'm i'm not sure um what what are your plans yeah at the moment i have no plans uh, um well we we did try for a while and it just doesn't work and um uh the political situation isn't helping in malaysia <laughs> need some <laughs> level of political stability so that the agencies and government can actually execute change because they've got you know a lot of some monostability to have so if you don't have that stability which we haven't had for a while now it's not going to work right because uh, the guys in the agencies don't know who the next boss is going to be and you know, this doesn't help in that situation i see um yeah the the, the challenge is that um, if you don't have a centralized breach notification website so for example if Uh, corporation A lost their data, and they sent you an email and says, "We take security very seriously, but we have sorry lost your data, etc., etc., etc." And then two years later, they get another thing from Corporation B and Corporation C. You know, all of these singular threads of data that all knew that was lost, you know, together combined can make a pretty big picture of who you are. And the more uh, you know who you are, the more data that's out there. The easier it is for these scams to be executed because the more data I know on you, the more likely I am to succeed, and the more likely I am to choose something that might succeed. You know, hit an emotion that's gonna really uh, get you to open your bank account or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you have a centralized notification place where someone can come in, they can type in some information and figure out well of all the you know thirty-five breaches in the database, how many am I a part of, and what data was lost as a result of that. You know, because. A breach isn't just breach on you, right? Because um, there's also now we're seeing a lot of these breaches. You lose these sort of graph information. So it's like not just you or your parents, but the information that connects you that I can tell from this database that these are your parents, or that these are your children, or that you and you are related. Um, you and you travel together very often, so maybe you're married, that sort of thing. And then that relationship data, which comes a lot as well. You know that increases even more, right? Because then that's really the how you can get more information and you know execute better better scams, if you will. But um, that's the idea, right? That was the the idea that you have the one singular place where someone could come, enter into information, and get a full idea of of all the breaches that we know of. These are the breaches that you're a part of. This is the data that's you know freely available to anyone with an internet connection if they wanted to get it. Um, and then you can take precautions and make you still. Falls back to the individuals to take precautions, but at least they have that starting point of, you know, here's where I am, and here's the data that's available out there that I know of, right? Um, without some sort of centralized in, uh, system where everybody had to go, or you, all you have is a, an email in your inbox from two years ago when they actually had the breach. It'd be very hard to piece together what are the pieces, uh, what are the threads of data on you that's available out there. You know what you're talking about? Uh, centralized data and Trying to to detect patterns and things like that reminds me of our contact tracing systems. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, contact tracing will only work 
if you have a strong government behind it, you have to have some sort of centralized authority that can do it. That's the only way it works. And then it's a good idea. And then this is again one of those ideas, right? So um, hackers are almost um, universally anachronistic <laughs> and they love anarchy. But, but at some point, we have to be grown ups and say, well, some things need some sort of centralized authority and control for us to effectively operate society in some sort of effective manner, right? So, uh, and, and these are just one of the cases, right? Yeah, and then it will require like a centralized database and which uh, invites uh, attacks also yeah. and it kind of well, like no, a, it's no, a vulnerability. No, no. Um, well, so for example, in Psych and the Hack, I was very, very um, uh, concerned about this, right? If you publish the data online, you really don't want to have, um, you, you don't need to publish the data. You just need to publish that you are in this data and here's the information about you. Was, I don't have to show you the actual information. I say, well, your phone number's in the breach, this phone number's in the breach. And what I did was I masked out everything except the last two numbers of your phone number. And that way you can be sure, okay, these are the numbers that are in the breach, right? So you know what the numbers are in the breach, but those last two numbers to anyone would be pretty useless. It's a, it's a pretty useless thing. So a breach notification website doesn't necessarily have to have the data per se, it just has to have the sort of metadata about the breach. So you will know that your travel history was lost or your medical history was lost or your you yes. know, address was lost, but you you don't have to tell you the actual address in the system. So the system wouldn't be, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily have to have that information. Mm. Yeah. But it would require the data having to be centralized somewhere. In a way, um, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not... Mm not IT savvy, right? But Numera, um, the reason why uh, all of that telco subscribers' information was so easily leaked was because they were located in one centralized location under, under a government contractor's purview, which the government contractor didn't take the necessary steps to secure. And hence, um, it was... It, 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 was, it was stolen just like that. And it was all located in one single location, like a treasure trove, like a treasure chest, you know, for someone to come along and take it, right? All right, yeah. so it was in one single location, that's correct. Who lost the data is, is up for debate. We may never know the answer. <laughs> um, uh, but, but it was in one location. It was part of, um, I forgot what it called, the public cellular blocking service. Yes. It's another mm. okay idea where, you know, if you reported your stolen, your phone stolen, they would sort of you know filter the information back to a central service so that no one else could register your phone on a yeah. local telco yeah. subscriber anymore. Yes. It's, an, it's an okay idea. It's a good idea, right? Yes. Um, but that again requires some sort of centralization, uh, and you put all your eggs in one basket. You know, these kind of things happen. <laughs> you drop it and you risk everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it seems like we're back to one 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 big round and then coming back to the same issue again. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm inclined to think that actually there's no way out of it. <laughs> um, what what are the, what other mitigation strategies are there in terms of technology? Because we have always looked at both society and technological solutions whenever there's a breach, and where technology is concerned, I think uh, one of the uh, um, what, one of one of the latest feature that was rolled out following the Markov scan was verified cause, verified source identification. Do you think that's a good idea? Um, and how effective the people are they? targeted don't know how to use it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so 
this is one of those things that I, I'm not 100% sure what the, what the technology is, but basically there are certain trade-offs, especially when things run on the old uh, sort of phone network, right? The old PSTN phone network, right? Mm-hmm. That thing's really old, right? And that thing's, um, you know, spoofing phone numbers on that is, mm-hmm. it, in, in some countries it's relatively easy, in other countries it's relatively hard. So depending on the sort of level of maturity or the modern, modernity of, the, of their uh, PSTN system. But... Um, I think any sort of technical solution is going to be a problem. Think of it this way. We build a bank account and all the banking infrastructure is built so that you can conveniently transfer your money to somewhere else, right? That's the point of of that system, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And the the scammers are basically leveraging the point of the system to spend the money back to them. And they're using no technical means to sort of execute this. They're just using sort of regular scams, right? This is something anybody can understand. I call you, I pretend to be a police officer, I get you to transfer money to me. It's nothing technical in there. There is no, you know, zero day vulnerability anywhere <laughs> okay. in this in, in this equation, right? Um, but if you join any uh, sufficiently large company, right? Um, and they, what, what they sort of do is they train you as well. They train their staff, you know, they send, they sort of um, run these things where they basically, to scam, they try to try to fish you, uh, and if you click on the link, then you get some trading. You got to go and you know, take two hours of trading here or something like that. So basically, it's trying to inoculate their population against, so their population can see. So if you click the link, fine. You know, you shouldn't have done that. Here's the training to help you understand that, and hopefully, you don't do it again with when it's a real phishing email hits the hits the network. You know, mm, probably want to try something like that on a, like a national social public scale, you know, like if we started to have this one section of, you know, BDRM go out there and actively try to scam elderly people uh, and then right at the end say, you know, we shouldn't have done this. We are actually from BDRM. We tried to scam you and then teach them that phrase. And you know what these, uh, I, well, this is my idea. Like, basically. I, I think that if you do that and you like, you know, teach people that way, not like tell them like, you know, run a campaign or run advertisements so that those things don't really work but like actively try to scan them and just like right at the end tell them that it was a scan and the PDR system etc and then what's going to happen is that uh, you know the, the old people talk to other old people right so inoculate that population right it's, it's like okay. you know think of a scam as a, as, a, as a virus and then what you need to do is you need to vaccinate some right and you don't need to vaccinate all you just need to vaccinate some and that increases, as we said, the cost of doing business for the scam, and that sort of puts them out of business, right? Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. That's roughly the idea I think we should be sort of focusing on, because this idea of you know let's put a an you know, advertisement in the newspaper and teach people this this we tried this many times it's failed all the time why do we think it's gonna work you know you know Singapore was um, very good at this um, I'm like uh, I suddenly became a Singapore drama fan so there's this <laughs> drama yeah there's this Hokkien language drama this which is made in Singapore uh, with Singapore actors and so on and so forth and their favorite scene is where there's like a bunch of old people hanging out with a community. <laughs> community center talking about the latest government uh, subsidies or incentives or, or helps and things like that and and it's on television and there my mom is 75 years old sitting right next to me it works i tell you 
we have to use TV dramas probably to to do this this strategy. You know that you talk about. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 You gotta you gotta use something that works in in that demographic, right? Um. Yeah, because everything else doesn't seem to work. Um. And uh, the fact that these guys can drive Lamborghinis suggests that they have a pretty good business model. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. what we need to do is ensure that you know we don't allow them that specific business model. As long as you increase the cost of doing business, they won't be able to do business. They're just run like any other organization. In fact, worse because they are they are heavy cash flow <laughs> impacted. Yeah. They won't they won't be able to take a loan from the bank or whatever. Um, yeah. So that's the idea, right? Um, all the other stuff, like you know trying to have some high-end technical solution isn't going to quite work because again these systems that we built are built so that you can transfer money across and you can do this and you can do that and they're leveraging the system for the purpose it was built for and you know you just can't beat that fair enough fair point yeah well, i think although we know and we admit that we're not able to control our own information but we have to also convince ourselves that it up to it's up to us to control with whom Correct. we share our information. But at the yeah. end of the day, it's back to the users themselves. You know yeah. what? It, Sorry, it doesn't sound too convincing to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced. Well, you know, you sort of think of these these loyalty programs, right? So you go to a coffee shop, you drink a coffee, and then they say, "Oh, if you sign up for a loyalty program, we'll give you a free coffee today." And you know the the takeoff rate of that kind of offer is usually quite high. That's why they offer it in the first place. But the effective cost of that is that would you give me your data for the price of a coffee, right? And the answer to that is almost always yes. Yes. Because yeah, you know people sign up for these things all the time. You know, even I mean, personally look at my wallet as well. You got all these loyalty cards that I never use after that. It's, it's just completely useless. But I mean, it's just a matter of probability. The more data you give to other people, the more likely it's going to get lost, right? So because it's, yeah. it's more out there. So maybe don't you know get that loyalty card if you're not going to use it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it boils down to like um, privacy is like almost non-existent. Um, the only thing we can do is um, we just have to assume assume breach or assume that our information is out there right. and do take all the necessary steps to protect ourselves like if you get a suspicious call yeah you know just just viral it just share it just in, inoculate the rest in your community about what's happening exactly yeah something like that yeah so you know these scams often take a a very pattern based approach because they run again like any other business they can't have a different scam for every time for every person so they run the same script for everything just like any other call center uh, <laughs> um and the higher you increase that cost, the, the higher it gets to do business, basically. Um, but yeah, I think the, the other thing is that privacy is all about context, right? It's, about, not, it's not about nobody knows data on me. Privacy is about I have control of my data and I can choose who to share that with, right? Um, because there are going to be a lot of situations where maybe you really want that loyalty card because it does give you that, that huge discount and it does make sense for you as a consumer in that particular context, right? Uh, if you go to a doctor, for example, you have to give them your age and your medical history because otherwise you won't get the benefit of going to the doctor. So that's the yeah. point of you know, it. It doesn't mean that you keep all the data and not share it with anyone. It just means that you think a little bit more deeply about who you share it with and only share it when you think there's actually going to be value for you to share that data mm. um, and not the other way around it. 
Okay. Right. So uh, maybe another thing I think define it's hard to to tell people what or tell myself what privacy is in that case. Mm-hmm. Defining privacy is difficult. Um, what about fabricating data to get that cup of coffee? Fabricating data? Oh, that's not <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> uh, I mean, after all, what's the what's the what's the, well, let's think about that, right? So, what's the the impact of that? one coffee company has some fake data in their account and maybe someone gets a fake SMS, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, not that big a deal. I think, uh, I'm not sure if you're going to break any laws. Especially you use someone else's IC number or something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, again, why don't you just not take the cup of coffee and just pay full price. And if you really don't want that, <laughs> that seems mm-hmm. okay. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't have the answer. I don't think anyone has the answer, but it's something that we have a, as a society to figure out, right? Um, it's going to get worse and worse. It's going to get more and more. Yeah, um, So we just have to figure out how to live with it. Yeah. You, um, I, from, from your YouTube video, the Hack in the Book conference, mm. you mentioned that um, your website actually garnered over 100,000 views, right? Yeah. And then, did the people try to contact you? You know, but, and what, what were the questions which they asked you? Were they asking you like, um, you know, how, what can they do to protect themselves and so on and so forth? Um, some, some, not, not many people contacted me. Though. Enough that I could respond to everyone who, who reached out. Uh, but, I mean, some asked that, some asked where you got the data, uh, some people came and they asked very specific, you know, they were very specific questions about I need to find data on this particular person with this IC number, and I said, you know, I just can't can't help yeah. you with that, right? Yeah. Um, and I get randomly, you know, a bunch of people come. I got one guy who asked me to if you could send me the data, and you know, he was I think a property agent or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, trying to lower the cost of his business. Yeah, exactly. So you got a property agent. You can figure out who's owning which house where, and then that's good, good information, right? Uh, he wanted the data to do that, or he wanted to, sh- and he was willing to share some profits with me or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, but a whole bunch of those kind of discussions and and things. So less about you know what can I do. It's more of those kind of weird yeah. emails. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. the, so there were some Malaysians who were concerned, but mostly no. Yeah, I don't think. Well, let's not be so pessimistic. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, hundred thousand viewers. I think roughly about you know three hundred thousand queries, so three hundred thousand ICs being pumped into the system to request data out. So that's not too bad, right? Not too bad. Um, mm. I think people are interested if you give them a chance and they really want to know about it. Mm. Um, but I mean, think about it this way, right? If you got data leak, okay, great. But if tomorrow Malaysia gets a new prime minister, that's more important to your daily life, right? You know, uh, there are other things that sort of cloud your your attention. You only have so much attention that you can give these kind of stories, and that you that attention is being competed with uh, for all the other stuff that's going on in the country and all the other stuff that's going on on social media. And you know, as as um, as geeks and as IT guys and everything else, we sort of can't, can't understand why people you know, don't pay as much attention as we do. But, you know, the rest of the world has got other priorities to worry about. You know? That's true. Uh, so true. you can't expect them all to worry about data breaches 24-7, especially when a data breach happens every day. <laughs> I mean, 
what's the news of that, right? Okay, other yeah. 80 million breaches. So what? And I don't even know how 80 million <laughs> records look like. You know, who cares? Yeah. Um, so at some point, it reaches like fatigue. You're just like completely fatigued and, and drained out. And you're like, okay, this thing, whatever, you know, any news headline about this, I'm just going to skip through because it doesn't really add any value for me to click through that link and read it and understand it. I'm not going to spend the... Uh, the limited amount of cognitive energy I have to understand this article. You sound uh, as though your data breached out. You've been you've been <laughs> studying this a lot. Yeah, so it's like you can't expect the population to do this. It's just unreasonable mm-hmm. to expect them to do that. What you need to do is make it easy for them to consume the data and understand it. And, and that was one of the things that I tried to do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's just a bunch of other stuff going on. And then, um, you know, people have yeah, people are got. I mean, almost everyone in the country has been at least in one of these breaches. Um, so the idea now is not to unbreach yourself. There's no such thing. Once the data's out, the data's out. It's like trying to protect yourself, which is where we should be focusing on. Um, mm. And that's that's really it. Yes. At the end of the day, it's it's really how we protect ourselves. Yeah. You know, sir, uh, there's, there's one guy who wants to be known as Sky, short for Skywalker. The question that he <laughs> wants to ask you, because we were like, Pulling questions right from the from yeah. the other members, so Skywalker, Skywalker had a yeah, question. Yeah, right. He wanted to know how you jump the wall. <laughs> jump Mala- the wall. I was wondering in the world what he was he was talking about. Then it occurred to me, oh, from Malaysia to Singapore, maybe that's what he meant. How did you jump the wall? Why did you jump the wall? Oh, it's a causeway. There's two causeways. Why did you jump the causeway? anyway, that was his question. Good old Sky. Keith, you are yeah. a gold mine of information. The opinions that uh-huh. you shared, the insight that you shared, the feedback Thank that you, you have. Oh, I try, I try. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're most welcome. I had a good time. I had a great time, guys. Thanks. Okay. We had a good time listening to you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Security Lab. Make sure to visit our website at securitylab.asia where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify or via RSS so you'll never miss a show.